The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you know you're in the right place. The buzz on the street today, the Internet of who? The Internet of whom? Maybe it's time for the Internet of you and yourself. What in the world is she talking about? Well, let me get started. The Internet was conceived way back when to facilitate the free flow of information. I think the key word there is free. And the IoT, Internet of Things, inherited this lively spirit. Let's fast forward 2016 today. There are many cameras. There are emerging connected devices. They are collecting and reporting data about my life, your life, the lives of everybody you know, and there's more of this innovative stuff happening as we speak. It looks like we are designing the Internet of Things to see ourselves clearly. Do you think we could call it a virtual mirror? Well, let's talk about that. Do you think the IoT, the Internet of Things, will help quantify and clarify who you are with the feedback from all this data you're giving it? You may not even know you're giving it this data, but let's look at the not-so-happy side. Will it benefit the hackers? We know they're lurking in the shadows, and some of them are out there in the open, and they're going to use your information any way they can get it for their own gain. So let's talk about the Internet of the Self. That's myself, my paddleist self, yourself, everybody who's listening. Is it here? Are you ready for it? Or do you think we should all just go whoops and run for cover? I don't know if there's any cover left. So the experts speak. We have two of our regulars here on this topic helping us out today and figuring out what in the world is the IoT of the self. I'll just tell you who they are and then I will introduce them, of course, with their opening quotes. We're welcoming back so many times and delighted he's here today, Gray Scott, the founder and CEO of SeriousWonder.com. He is a futurist, a techno-philosopher, and an emerging technology expert. And joining Gray on the panel will be here we got David P. Yonker, J-O-N-K-E-R. If you're looking him up, he's a senior director of Big Data Initiatives at SAP, and we're delighted to have both of them. So let me start off with the quote Gray has sent me from Kevin Kelly. Are you scratching your head? There's a lot of Kevin Kellys out there. I used to work for one, but that's not the one. I wish he was as smart as the one I'm quoting right now. This is Kevin Kelly, who's still around. He was born in 1952, has a birthday coming up on August 14th. He is the founding executive editor of Wired Magazine and former editor and publisher of the Whole Earth Review. He's been a writer, a photographer, a conservationist, and he is a student of Asian and digital 
Culture and one more note, among his personal involvements is a campaign to make a full inventory of all living species on Earth, an effort known as the Linnaean Enterprise. I'll just stop there. Fascinating guy. Here's the quote Gray has picked. Technological advances could allow us to see more clearly into our own lives. Gray Scott, how are you? I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thanks for having me back. Oh, we're delighted. Gray, when I ask you how are you, I'm thinking of how are you in the future that's happening after my last word hits the microphone and goes out to the audience. So how are you now? <laughs> is, is there ever a present for you or is it always the future? Help me out. Uh, there, is, there is a present. It's usually digital. <laughs> okay. Um, but maybe the question is, how is my future digital self for this episode? Oh, you know what? I sit corrected. That's a good one. Hello, Gray Scott. How is your future digital self? Now, Gray, you have sent us this wonderful quote from Kevin Kelly. I used to work for one of them. There, I hope they, I wish they would all have a middle initial that would help distinguish them. And then we might have tw- at least 26 categories of Kevin Kelly's. But I digress. How come you picked this quote? Are you a big fan of Wired and of Mr. Kelly? Uh, I do like Kevin Kelly's work. I've been a fan of his for a long time. He also considers himself, I think, uh, uh, a techno-philosopher in many ways and um, maybe even a futurist. And he has some very interesting ideas about technology in general. Um, He has said before that, uh, you know, he's asked the question many times, what does technology want? Um, He's also proposed the idea that technology may be a new species in itself. So some of these ideas sound far-fetched or like, like science fiction, but if you really start to dive into the underside of this digital uh, universe that we're creating around us, you see that it is taking on a life of its own. What about a life of its own? What about our life? Our, and our topic is the Internet of the self. So mm-hmm. do, we, do we want this to happen, Gray? Is it already here? Is the Internet already telling me who I am and reflecting, holding up that reflecting pool, if you will, and saying, okay, Bonnie, we know this about you and that about you. Is this the Bonnie you want the world to see and hear and know <laughs> and maybe love or not love so much? Is this already, I said in the opening, are we, is it here? Are we running for cover? Should we be? What do you think? How much of us is out there that's reflecting? Back, Ray. Well, I've said for a long time that this, is, this has been with us from the very beginning. I mean, we mm-hmm. have nurtured technology throughout our evolution, and so this is not a new thing. What is new to us is that we are seeing it uh, for the very first time in ways that mirror our digital selves. And what I mean by that is, you know, every time you take a selfie, every time you, you post something online, you're, you're adding a digital nutrient into the system that is emerging. Now, whether you believe that in the future that thing will turn up to be or turn out to be, uh, you know, self-aware, uh, as many people, especially Kevin Kelly, has asked, whether technology will become self-aware, the fact is is that as we add new modules to the Internet of, of Things and to the Internet of Self, that will eventually emerge. I mean, we're already seeing every time you go on Facebook it's becoming predictive, right? How many times have you gone on Facebook and you think about something and and the next post on your feed is what you were thinking about? Now, how is that happening? It's happening Mm -hmm. because of predictive data. Uh-huh. So it, it's there. It's watching us. It's listening to us. It's reading us. And it's telling us what's coming next. So when I asked you, how are you? Is there a present? <laughs> if I were some kind of digital algorithm, I would have 
known the answer, I would have led you into it. Is that right, Greg? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm glad there's no digital me, although I'm beginning to wonder about that. <laughs> Gray, thank you so much. Appreciate your coming back on. We're, we're delighted every time you're here on Game Changers. And now let's, let's uh, welcome our other panelists. It's David Yonker, Senior Director, Big Data Initiatives at SAP. And David has sent me a quote from John Battelle, an excerpt from The Human Face of Big Data. The Human Face of Big Data is a documentary film, a beautifully done film from last year, 2014, directed and written by Sandy Smolin, and we were privileged to have David and Sandy and other people involved in the filming and the the creation, the scripting, the beautiful images, and sometimes frightening implications of those images of this film. I believe on our Coffee Break with Game Changers show about six or eight months ago, and I think we're overdue to have them come back. Uh, the film, let me just read it, is about the rapid emergence of digital devices, which we're talking about. An unstoppable, invisible force is changing human lives in ways from the microscopic to the gargantuan. And of course, we're talking about big data, a word barely used a few years ago that now governs the day for many of us from the moment we awaken... And the moment after that is the future, and then it's the past, to the extinguishing of what they call the final late evening light bulb. I won't go any more deep into that. But let me read the quote David has selected from the film. Now, that might sound interesting. Might help you shed a few pounds, realize you're eating too many potato chips and sitting around too much, and that's useful to you individually. But if hundreds of millions of people do that, you have a big cloud of data about people's behavior that can be crawled through by pattern recognition algorithms. Oh, it sounds so mysterious and a little dark. David Yonker, how are you? Good. How are you, Bonnie? Thanks for having me back. Oh, delighted. Always happy to talk to you as well, David. Always great insights. This is a long quote, but I think it was very worth it. I hope I did it justice, David. Did I do a good read? Absolutely. Yeah, intonations were great. Thank you. Can I audition for a part yeah, of the next? I was going to call you John, actually. <laughs> oh, tell Mister, tell Mister, B- okay, tell Mister Battelle. I was very happy to represent him in this in this re- recreation here. So, the human face of big data. Tell us it, it, the the Internet of Self. That's what we're talking about with you and Gray today. Is it here? Does it exist? And is that what John Battelle was trying to say? Uh, it does exist. It has been around, I would say, uh, right from the beginning of the Internet in many ways, right? We would express ourselves uh, through the Internet in very early ways through email, right? You could think of email as a way of the form of communication that was on the Internet uh, from the early days. And I would say that uh, we are expressing ourselves uh, online or reflecting ourselves online um, all the time. You know, social media is exactly that. It's a reflection of some parts of us, right? Now, the mirror may be a little fuzzy. It's not particularly good, and it's getting better all the time. And I think the the Internet of self or the Internet of things um, and the sensors that will come will even, uh, you know, improve that reflection of who we are, for better or worse, whether we want that. And um, uh, so it's on its way. And and definitely the quote um, is taken out of... uh, out of a, a, a longer dialogue, essentially, mm-hmm. about, essentially, the Internet of self um, and the craze that we're starting to see uh, where, where sensors are getting embedded into um, everything, right? People walk around with Fitbits all the time. You know, mm-hmm. companies like uh, Under Armour are embedding sensors into uh, clothing and using all of that to track information about you. Um, and and a lot of that information. I'm, part of what I was, uh, you know, wanted to pull out of that quote 
mm-hmm. was the, the, the fact that um, uh, the Internet of Self uh, exists when we also, uh, when that information is collect, uh, collected uh, in a, in a, on a larger scale, right? If mm-hmm. you just collected information about yourself, uh, while that might be interesting as a reflection back directly, uh, it's very difficult to, difficult to get the, the deeper insights about who you are uh, in relation to, say, everyone else on the planet. Uh, but when you have, um, you know, everyone contributing this information, you know, we can use advanced algorithms to learn much more deeply about who we are individually, but then also mm-hmm. who we are as a culture, if you like. I think that would be the bigger picture most people would feel more comfortable with because to me, David, it would imply a sense of, of permission to observe the culture, the community, the bigger global good. Am I on the right track here? I, I think that's where people would be comfortable rather than, oh, God, do they really know a lot about me? What's your thought on that? Uh, yeah, I think everyone is uh, loves to hear about the culture, right, and, and, and mm-hmm. about others. Um, I think that there is uh, definitely a lot of hesitation about uh, providing, infor- you know, our personal information um, in, in some ways, and yet we do it all the time, right? We, we are constantly providing information uh, through different channels and through different apps and, and in different ways about who we are. And a lot of that information is siloed. So, you know, no one system uh, may give a, a perfect picture, but a lot of that information is out there. In fact, um, you know, if we were to collect all the information about Bonnie, we would have a pretty good, you know, that existed in different apps and different <laughs> websites and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. We'd have a pretty good idea of who Bonnie is. Um, oh, yeah. Whether I liked yeah. it or not. <laughs> Whether you liked it. I'm sure everyone would love it. I have no doubt about that. But um, Thank you. But yes. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I was thinking while I'm speaking with you, David, of the word tribes, and that led me, of course, to Seth Godin and his book, Tribes, We Need You to Lead Us, just a, a thought about community and global and tribes. I want to uh, bring this back around the table to to Gray Scott for just a minute. Gray, thoughts about the Internet of self, the Internet of us? Is that a better word for the in- Internet of us, of we, of the tribe? Is, is that a better way to describe it that doesn't sound quite so... Oh, I don't know, too personal or too intrusive or too egotistical. There's the word I was looking for. Gray, what are your thoughts? <laughs> hmm. Well, there's an interesting way to look at this culturally uh, on a deeper level. I, I think what we're really going to see this evolve into is the Internet of the unconscious. And, and that is the stuff that I think is the most interesting aspect of this technology. A lot of our behavior individually is unconscious behavior. Um, Mm -hmm. We have friends all the time, if they're honestly friends, that will say to us, you know you're doing this, right? (laughs) And a lot of times we will look at them in amazement and say, I had no idea that I was behaving this way, or I had no idea that I was unconsciously doing this, uh, you know, behavior, having this behavior. And so I think in the future what's happening or what will happen is that that data will be reflected back to us in such an honest way that we will see ourselves for the very first time in ways that we can't even imagine now. I mean, we don't even really know the questions to ask this system. Right. That's, what, that's what's so hard about the system is we have so much data, we have no idea what to ask. So it is personal, but I also think it's going to benefit us individually and it's going to benefit, benefit our culture. Thank you. And and one more question for both of you. Are the millennials more on board in terms of knowing 
the depth of the information they're sharing and the possible ways it might travel around the web and travel into big data, travel into analytics, travel into predictive, travel into the right hands, the wrong hands? Is this something they, they were born with? Oh, there's digital. Oh, it's a keyboard. Oh, it's a mobile device. Gee, that's cool. That's what everybody has. I'm going to do it. And I know my information is being unleashed by me out into a very welcoming, sometimes for good or for bad, welcoming world that say, yeah, bring it on, Bob, bring it on, Mary, or whatever they naming millennials these days. <laughs> Gray, any thought about that? Are they more aware, whereas people from other generations, earlier generations saying, what? I didn't know that was going to other people. What, what's your thought about that? And we don't have to go too deeply into privacy, but I think that's a, mm-hmm. an important line of distinction we need to talk about here. Well, I do think that m- millennials are much more comfortable um, mm-hmm. being themselves online and in the digital world. They are not as disingenuous about who they really are as the generation prior to them. I mean, a lot of what we uh, put online, if you're, if you're above 30 years old, that is still slightly disingenuous. I mean, we, we like to have the, the best selfie. We like to tell people our vacation is going great. <laughs> you know, these are the things that, that the millennials don't necessarily do. I mean, they're, they're very honest with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you see new apps like Snapchat and things like that, that they can be them, themselves truly uh, in that digital world and not feel like they're going to be bullied, not feel like they're going to be judged. And so, the one aspect of this that is different for that for the millennials is that they don't necessarily think about it uh, as a tangible thing. It's just something that they've grown up with, so it's just something they it's second nature to them to share in this digital world. But as we add new systems and new uh, modules to the Internet of Things and the Internet of Everything and the Internet of Self, um, that may come back to be an issue for them because... Uh, we're not just, it, it's not just cultural. It can be as far down as nutrition. It can be as personal as mm-hmm. your exercise habits. These yep. are the kinds of things that they're going to have to face in the future. Thank you very much, Gray. David, love to get your point of view on this, and I'm going to give you a quick story I learned from a panelist uh, about uh, Big Brother, Big Sister in the car in terms of sharing data in just a moment. But, David, thoughts about that that sense of ego, self, cultural, generational, the millennials knowing this, understanding it, but having a different perspective on where they want to be authentic. What's your thought, David? Yeah, I think, I think Gray uh, raises a really good point. There, without a doubt, like if I look at my own children uh, and how they, you know, the selfies they po- post and all that kind of stuff, like Gray was talking about, they're much more genuine, right? They're or uh, less disingenuous in terms of, of you know, trying to um, paint a particular picture about themselves. Um, but having said that, uh, you know, I don't think that... The, uh, the millennial generation is more uh, aware of the implications of the sharing of that data. Um, in fact, I would almost uh, think that they're probably less aware. Um, not that uh, the older generation uh, understands technology or the you know the internet better, because I don't think that they do. Obviously, there are lots of people that do, but you know the general public doesn't really have a deep understanding of you know how the internet works, where the data goes, who's managing that, who really owns it, who's controlling that kind of information. But the older generation, I think, has um, more experiences, uh, you know, from the 20th century that would point to the challenges with. Uh, 
with uh, information and the way that, uh, you know, certain uh, people or organizations will use that to control things in a very negative or, you know, unhealthy kind of way. Um, so, so there's some maturing, I think, that millennials need to do uh, to really sort of understand some of the implications. But without a doubt, they're natives, right? They're digital natives, and, and they live in this world, and they're very comfortable with it in a way that I think older generations aren't. Thank you very much. The story I wanted to share was uh, I was doing the show. We have a show called The Future of Cars with Game Changers. Larry Stoley at SAP is the sponsor. David, you may know him. Gray, you may have heard about him. He's a car guy, but he's also a tech guy. We talked about things like yesterday, uh, the value of the data collected through cars talking about mm-hmm. sensors, talking about what people know. So I, I posed to the panel, it was Otto Schell from GM, who's also involved in uh, German ASA Group, and Heather Ashton from IDC, IDC Insights, very, very uh, smart lady. And I just posed to the panel, I said, I got a letter from my automobile insurance company a couple of years ago that said, hey, Bonnie, you want to save money on your premium? Let us put a sensor in your car, and we will monitor your driving habits, and based on how much we think you are a safe and good driver, we might consider lowering your premiums a little. And I read the letter and I said to myself, hell no. And I tore it up. And I said, "Uh uh-uh, even though the car is garaged 95% of my time because I work from a home office, it doesn't get out to play very often, but it's there in the garage. It looks pretty. And I gas it up once a month for trips around town. But Heather said she did that. She allowed them to put that sensor in her car. And she was expecting... 15 points off of her insurance, whatever the point translation was. And when the evaluation came, they only gave her four. (laughs) She she said, what happened? Well, she admitted she had a teenage driver who liked to brake hard, but it was a full evaluation of the habits of whoever's foot was on that gas pedal in the car. Mm -hmm. So she said it was just a question of, and it went away. After six months, the plan was no longer in effect. But she said the letter was a little, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but something like a, what? I'm a good driver. You're only giving me four. So there's that part of Gray and, and David having the sensors and the data collection come back and literally hit you in your face or stop your car in its tracks. Gray, are you familiar with this program a lot of insurance companies have? I am. And, you know, you also have to think about your Uber experiences as well. I mean, because yes. that data is also tracked. And yes. I was saying for a very long time that you, you have this digital map that follows you, this digital data. It's like a breadcrumb trail that follows you. And whether it's insurance companies in your personal car or whether it's your, your habits in Uber, those things can be translated into advertising dollars. They can be translated into marketing. And before you know it, when you get into a, an Uber in the future, they will say, hey, we know that you're looking for a new apartment or a new house. Can we Damn. reroute you to go buy this new house that's in, within your budget? And so you can imagine the implications of that in the future. Oh, yeah. A little bit uncomfortable. Big mommy, big daddy, big brother, big sister. OMG. <laughs> a lot of big people there. David, love your feedback on this. Then we'll find out what you're drinking and we'll go to break in just a minute. But I'm enjoying the conversation. David, thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it actually, so your, your story really gets to the heart of uh, one of the, the issues, in my opinion, as it relates to the Internet of Self and the Internet of Things in general. Um, and and the, the, the key issue here is that you have 
um, typically the the organizations or the companies that are uh, collecting this data and providing these services they have an ulterior, ulterior motive, right? Yes, they want to do some good in your life, for sure, and they're offering you a service. But their mission in life generally is to make money. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that is going to um, taint, well, maybe taint's the, not the right word, but it's going to direct, you know, what they do or focus what they do in a particular direction. You know, part, mm-hmm. earlier in the conversation, we talked about this idea that, you know, there's all this data that's, that's going to be out there, and it's going to give us, it's going to help us to be better people in some way, right? Uh, live better lives, longer lives, help us understand mm-hmm. some of these sorts of things. Um, and, and that's true at some level, but they're, they're, it's dependent, you know, or it's um, colored, if you like, uh, by this, you know, this, uh, the corporate's need to, to generate a profit. They're not going to generate profit from from um, from certain activities. They they probably won't engage in them. And and the insurance company example there, the the the, um, the challenge I have at some level uh, with uh, the whole um, um, you know approach that's being taken there is mm-hmm. is there's a fine line. There's a very fine line in the insurance industry, in my mind, between. Um, you know, uh, ensuring that you, uh, we make everyone good drivers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and still providing the main service of saying, look, I'm insuring everyone, right? Um, insurance is no good if we only insure the people that are perfect, right? And, we, and we're, we're not insuring the people that are imperfect or make mistakes or don't drive as well. Um, and the whole, the whole intent of insurance in, in its original form was to say, look, you know, there, accidents are going to happen. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, we spread that risk across lots and lots of people, right, through an insurance premium mm-hmm. so that, uh, you know, so that no one person is, uh, you know, dramatically damaged. Right. Um, right. And you, you run this risk of, for an insurance company to say, well, I'm not going to insure certain people at all. Um, ah, that's that's considered risky, right? Why would I insure mm-hmm. someone who's risky? Um, mm-hmm. The um, you know better for them to just sort of take all that risk and own that risk on their own, which in some ways kind of runs counter to the whole in- intent of insurance. That's so, right. No, it's a fine line. It's a fine line, yep. right? Like you don't want everyone behaving like maniacs out on the road, right? You you want to enforce some good behavior, but but you know there's a balance in there somewhere. Only in New York in a full moon. By the way, I came up with a creative way to do it because my car is garage most of the time, and I'm trying to find an insurer who will realize that I'm not driving 7,500 miles a year, not even a fraction of that. So my premiums are at a basic level, and I can't get them lowered because there is nothing lower than what they think we should or could be driving. So if I were to allow them to put the sensor in and drive as little as I do, they might say, oh, wow, she only drove... 897.3 miles in 2016. We'd better lower her rates or we'd better shut up and do something nice for her, send her flowers or buy her champagne or pay for a vacation, something with the premium that I think they don't deserve. But I digress. We're going to take a break. But first, I have to know, Grace Scott, where are you calling from today? What's in your cup? You know the question. What are you drinking or what would you rather be drinking after (laughs) the show? Gray, be futuristic. Uh, What's the future going to drink? (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, right now I'm just drinking coffee with almond milk, uh, and I'm in New York City, but in the future, 
we will probably <laughs> be drinking some sort of nutrient, high octane nutrient drink for uh, our health. As long as we don't get it from a gas pump, I'm okay. <laughs> when you say high octane, and, and I, don't, I think you're too young to remember, we used to call it high test, actually. You say, fill it up with a high test, my dad used to say. This is before self-serve gas stations. Thank you. I'm a little frightened by what you said. As long as it has a little sweetener in it, I'll be okay, though. David, where are you and what are you drinking today? I am up in Canada. I'm, I'm in uh, a little town called Waterloo. It's about an hour west of Toronto. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, right now, I'm drinking uh, decaf tea. I've, I've sworn off uh, caffeinated uh, drinks. But uh, looking into the future, if we want to do the futuristic uh, view, um, not so distant future. Um, actually, coming up this Saturday, I'll be heading on vacation again up north in, in uh, Canada um, in the Lake District. But um, the, the uh, discovered um, last year a, a great uh, craft brewery. And they've got a, an amazing cream ale called 35 and 118, and I'm looking forward to enjoying a, one of those um, when I head up on, uh, on Saturday. And that's 35 and 118? 118. And that's, let me see if I can find it's, it. It's a cream ale, yeah. It's by a, a brewing company called Bosch Kung. And I've, I've got the information right here, actually. Talk about the Internet of Self. Um, I've got it right here in a, an app on my iPhone called Untapped. I don't know if you guys have heard of Untapped. It, it's no. actually it's a drinking app. Not that I'd encourage you to drink, but it tracks. So it, <laughs> I got it. I got it. it Here we are, 35, and, yeah. 35 ampersand 18, cream ale, and it's on Boshkung, B-O-S-H-K-U-N-G. It's on ratebeer.com. That's the number one website that popped up. Then there's the Boshkung, B-O-S-H-K-U-N-G, brewing Dot com. That's their company website. My goodness. Uh, and then they have our beer, uh, boshcom.com slash beer underscore type forward slash all dash beers. And then they've got untapped, U-N-T-A-P-P-D.com. Yeah. Here it is. Oh, my goodness. It is, Wait, it's if, the Internet itself right there, untapped. It, it absolutely what it, is. What it does is you, you actually track every, you can, uh, you check in when you have a drink. And it'll track all the new beers, <laughs> craft beers that you have. Um, and you rate them, you share where, where you have them. It, it essentially builds a whole profile of your beer drinking history. Um, what if your insurance and, company is tapped into that, David? They say, oh, no, David just uh, had two 35 and 18s. Right. He's not driving tonight. Call Gray. He'll give him a ride. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Gray, I'm sorry, you're going to have to be the designated driver when David goes into this 30. Listen, I want to give you two a break. We've been working hard. This is, what are we, what show are we on today? This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. If you've been keeping track, my goodness, we're up to episode number 241. I'm probably the only one who cares. Our topic is, it's all over the map. This is part three of something we started a few months ago on the Internet of Things with Game Changers series. We're calling this episode, here's looking at you, kid, and listening to the Internet of Things, the Internet of Self, and a little bit of cyber crime thrown in for good measure just to keep it funky. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, very happy to be here talking with Gray Scott, our resident futurist. You're almost ready to move in, Gray. I think you're resident. <laughs> and David P. Yonker with all kinds of big data stuff here at SAP. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with a lot more. We've already covered a ton of good information, and I'm going to ask a very, I think, very provocative question to my panelists. Would it be the Internet of 
parentheses, the flavor of the day, close parentheses, meaning the Internet of craft beer, the Internet of car insurance, the Internet of color blue, the Internet of the Republican National Convention and the Democratic National Convention. Can we customize what we think the IOT something is for whatever we need that particular day and make it a thing? But don't answer now, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. You can count on it. Aaron out. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the time for enterprise mobility is now according to idc by 2013 over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology comprising 34.9 percent of the workforce the impact of mobility on business is clear Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And welcome back, Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're talking about here's looking at you, kid, and listening to the Internet of Self, little cybercrime, and everything that goes into that big topic. And we have two very, very savvy thought leaders with me today, welcoming back Gray Scott and David P. Yonker. And we're going to get started. I think we've already started the roundtable about 20 minutes ago into the first segment, but officially it's starting now. So, Gray, I'm looking at your notes, and we decided here's where we're going to dive in the internet of things of the mind and the self that is the future and gray if you want to expand that but also weave in my comment just before we went on break please when i asked will will it be the flavor of the day internet well i say well i'm out there on the internet of microbrewery beer and on tap because i want to see what david yonker's doing and i'm out there on the internet of of uh, red because i want to do red things in my kitchen this summer so how customizable is the term internet of blank and the mind. Go ahead, Gray. Well, I do think it, that you can make distinctions between what uh, you're, you're focusing on, and, and that's really what the Internet of Everything, the Internet of Things will be in the future. So, for example, and, and that will be predictive, right? So imagine um, a lot of EEG headsets that are reading brainwaves are already on the market. There's a company mm-hmm. called Muse that has one that you, that you wear, and it helps you meditate. So maybe today's uh, focus is the Internet of Meditation, right? So you Uh want to find the best yoga class. You want to find the best meditation class. And so all of that data gets wrapped around uh, your world and leads you through a day of meditation and healing, and that that becomes Mm. the Internet of Meditation for that day. So I do think we can be specific in the future 
with the Internet of Everything and the Internet of Things. But I also think, as we, as we talk about the Internet of the Mind, it goes to a level that's even deeper. So as we said in the beginning of the show, that, that this, this Internet of the Self will help us see ourselves in an unconscious way. It, it will help us see ourselves in a way that maybe we were not aware of, right? How many times, uh, for our listeners and for you, Bonnie, as well, how many times do you, do you go through your week, you're in the pace, you're working, and you don't realize how stressed you've become? And so what happens to that data, right? That, that is data that gets put out there. And maybe there's a signal that comes back through that sort of internet of the mind that says to you somewhere along your, your path during the week, you need to slow down, you need to meditate, you need to take a break. And that's something that we don't pay attention to enough in our society. And so I do think that we can focus specifically with the Internet of Everything and the Internet of the Mind uh, and the Internet of the Self, and it depends on what we need. I think that data becomes a, a feedback loop where it will, it will interact with you in a predictive way so that it's helping you. It, it will almost become a, a personalized a sort of digital assistant that uh, is in constant contact with you so that it always knows uh, what you need. Very, very interesting. I have questions, but I don't want to interrupt the flow. David Yonker, love your POV on this, and then I'll tell you what my issue is, and it's, you're not going to be surprised it goes to privacy. Who is taking my data that is putting it into that algorithm and giving it back to me? David, talk to us. The Internet of the mind, good thing, bad thing. Do you want one? Do you have one already? Well, I, I, I like to think I have a mind. We know. Sorry, I had the comment in the wrong place. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's amazing what's out there, right? And, and in terms of, of what people are sort of exploring and uh, making possible. Um, the, one of the stories that Rick Smolin, one of the, uh, the creators of the Human Face Big Data, um, created is, is um, a story maybe not quite as futuristic as what uh, Gray's talking about in terms of, you know, taking your EEG waves and putting them up on, onto the Internet and, and feeding back, you know, um, essentially some um, running predictive algorithms and, and determining, you know, whether you need to be meditating or not. But, um, you know, he, he tells a story about a company uh, in Boston that can predict when you're going to get depressed. And he can, they, this company can predict when you're going to get depressed days before you actually get depressed. Um, and and they do that. Wait a minute. You're scaring me. You're, you're scaring me. I don't want anybody to know when I'm going to get depressed. <laughs> I want that pleasure all by myself. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's this joy in saying, damn, I'm depressed. What am I going to do now? Sorry, David. I had to. I, I no, had I, to. <laughs> Go ahead, David. Exactly. Well, and, and, the, and the crazy thing here is, is you already provide the, the, the data they need at some level uh, in order to make that prediction. So because you're, what, what they recognize is you're, you communicate less, you travel less, um, and, and you start to show those, those outward signs before you actually feel depressed. Um, and, and so, yes. you know, mm-hmm. so based on your patterns on social media, you know, if they have access to where you go from your cell phone, you know, all of that information's there that can actually determine, you know, how happy or depressed you are, um, in that sort of way. And so, um, you know, I, I think that there, there is, uh, without a doubt, you know, the information of the mind is, is, um, 
is is in some ways you know very close to being there, and I you know the potential um, I think is just um, unlimited, right, in terms of where that can go and and what's possible around that. And let's pull out what you just said, where it can go. Okay, Gray, I'm going back to, you know I was going there. Gray, I'm going back to a statement you made in part two of this topic. I think it's, to me, it's a perfect time to bring it up. And yes, David, you do have a mind and it's a very good one. <laughs> I was talking about the internet of the mind, not your mind. Gray, the, t- the quote I, sa- I saved from you, from your notes from last time is, privacy may become illegal in the future. So, mm-hmm. will this tracking have to go on whether we want it or not? What do you think? Well, this, this goes to the question that we've tried to answer through all of this, the, this series is, what's the purpose of what we're doing with this information, right? Right, right. What is the, and that's what I'm saying about the unconscious behavior of our, of our, of our culture and our species and who we are. We have these underlying um, intentions that sometimes we're not really aware of. And when you pull all of that in as, as a collective, people have the ability to, to sort of compare their intentions to other people's intentions and sort of gauge whether that's the sort of moral thing to do. And I think, if, you know, to go specifically to what you're asking, Bonnie, I think what's going to happen is there's going to be an equilibrium that we reach uh, within our culture and within our species. And it's going to be, in a lot of ways, it's going to be forced on us. So, for example, because of all of this information and because of lack of privacy, we've already seen this, that, that companies and individuals will be sort of shamed into doing the right thing, right, because of the culture movement and the data that's out there. Uh, you can't tweet anything now without the culture sort of having uh, a reaction to it. Um, you know, tweets have ruined people's lives, and, and everyone mm-hmm. should be aware of that. Big data could do this in the future, so, uh, but it could also improve your lives. Like, so, and I love this idea uh, that, 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 uh, of this idea of knowing predictive um, trends of depression. I mean, imagine how many lives that could change, how many lives that could improve. Uh, but that's just the beginning of this. But there, I understand your fear, but, but also look at the other side of this, that this could raise the bar for us as human beings. David, love to get your thoughts on this one. Well, it definitely raised the bar. You know, without a, without a doubt, there's a ton of potential. Um, you know, I, I think the, going to your, to your question about, you know, this, you know, could this become illegal? What does this look like in the future? Um, or Gray's comment from uh, from episode two. Sorry, the um, you know, there, there, without a doubt, doubt, there is a place for society to have a conversation, um, or yeah, or, you know, within our within our countries, if you like, uh, to have a conversation about what is it that we actually want as it relates to the Internet of Things. There is so much good and so much potential, um, but there are are downsides. You know. Uh, I have no doubt that there are already, um, uh, you know, uh, efforts underway, you know, around the world to to make privacy illegal, right? There are lots of Mm -hmm. sort of authoritarian-type nations that will, uh, you know, demand access to information that uh, theoretically doesn't happen in the Western world, although... 
practically we know that, you know, for example, the U.S. government tracks all kinds of information, um, you know, about its citizens, uh, you know, without the citizens knowing. Um, so, so without a doubt, you know, it, maybe it's not illegal today um, to, uh, to, to keep information private, but practically there's a whole lot that governments are doing to say, well, we're, we're not giving you any privacy. But, but there is a place, you know, well, sorry, you know, so without a mm-hmm. doubt, um, <clears throat> you know, there are questions that need to be asked. And I think that uh, as... Um, you know, there, there needs to be broader conversations within societies about what is it we really want, especially in de- democratic countries where we, can't, we have that freedom to do that. You know, we d- need to engage in these kinds of conversations. Um, you know, we need to move past, uh, you know, in the U.S. in particular, if I watch the, you know, the presidential elections, some of the, the you know, we need to move past comedy hour, if you like, uh, in the U.S. presidential elections and get on to some of these serious issues. That don't um, turn you know, on CNN we this week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, <laughs> do no, not. exactly. You know, but, do not. but uh, you know, somehow we need to move past some of these, the, some of the craziness that's going on and, mm-hmm. and, and talk about some of these serious issues. Because there are huge, technology has always shaped us, without a doubt, throughout the ages. Um, and overall, for the better, right? Um, you know, uh, I much prefer living in 2016 than in, you know, uh, you know, 2016 uh, BC, or you know, however you track your your calendar. Um, but um, uh, but you know, it's something that we have to think about how we you know directly shape. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And I'm scanning down through your comments, and I think we need to talk about the nefarious side of this whole thing. We're talking about the potential, the good, what we want, what we don't want, privacy. And let's talk about the bad kids lurking in the shadows. I think that's what I said. And I'm looking at your notes, David. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of things here. Number one, just to clarify with everybody, you're already giving your information. David says, people, that's us, willingly share with our telco providers where we go every minute of the day. They know where you put your head at night, where you work, where you go to play, who you call whom you text, what your interests are through your apps, my goodness, and you hope that they won't willingly share this to the wrong people. But let's talk about the wrong people. David adds, there is a no man's land. David, we have to say no person's land. Excuse me. We're still a PC culture here. We try. In cyberspace, there is a no man's land. I'll go with that in cyberspace, where individuals, companies, and governments are being hacked for their information. Criminals, swindlers, stealers, robbers. We're talking secrets. We're talking money. We're talking personal information. How bad is it? And will the Internet of the mind and the Internet of the self help to curb the appetite of those people? Maybe they'll get a conscience. I am just waxing philosophical here. What do you think, David? I'll start with David, and then we'll go back to Gray. What do you think, David? Well, I'm hoping I'm hoping they get a conscience. The you know the 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 challenge with everything with all information throughout the ages is that that it often gets used, um, you know, uh, in ways that we don't want. There is, without a doubt, there is a, a sort of a war uh, going on on the internet, and not something that we're always uh, readily familiar with. But you go out and hit Google and you search. Uh, and and look at some of the the activities that go on. Everything from you know the U.S. you know um, um, spying on um, you know the Chancellor of Germany and her phone calls to mm-hmm. um, you know in China you know they've got a, a whole uh, private espionage team that that hacks um, 
you know, uh, government uh, organizations and, and well-documented, uh, you know, how they've hacked government organizations up in Canada where, you know, uh, companies have been hacked for uh, key information and then that imp- then um, only did it be discovered that the people that hacked the information then went and bought the company at a later date. They're using this information oh, wow. in this kind of way. Um, it, you know, the U.S. government participating uh, you know, uh, unleashing a, a virus to destroy, um, you know, Iran's uh, nuclear capabilities, but in the process, unleashing a virus that did damaged all kinds of other systems. Um, and, and this is happening, and people aren't really, uh, you know, very aware with it. And that, there, so there are, there's huge potential for the Internet of Self, but there's huge risks, right? If, if we're talking about the Internet of the mind, um, and where we are taking direction based on that, you know, how do you protect that information so that it's not hacked, so it's not used in such a way that it's used to control people, you know, in, 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 mm-hmm. in some interesting way to get them to, to, you know, to get everyone in the United States to meditate at the time then we, that we need everyone to be <laughs> alert and, you know, um, you know, looking at the borders or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, what risks do we, do we open ourselves to, um, and maybe just one last, and I know uh, yeah. uh, one last thought here is that, you know, already uh, in a very simple case, already today, hundreds of billions of dollars are swindled out of people um, by using information, uh, by mimicking behaviors um, mm-hmm. so that they look like their coworkers or they look like, um, you know, they're people that should be trusted um, to provide information um, so that uh, so that they can be swindled out of money, um, and so that's that's not going to go away if we we don't actively figure out how to address that. Points all well taken, Gray Scott. Let's see, we've got uh, six minutes left to the end of the show. I want to make sure, Gray, we get plenty of POV from you on the points, the nefarious side of sharing all this information that David brought up. Gray Scott, please. Well, I do think that we have to be cautious um, as we proceed forward into the future. I mean. You know, How? A, How? Tool, a, tool, a tool can be used, uh, you know, an axe can be used, which is technology. An axe can be used to build a house or to tear it down. So mm-hmm. we have to be conscious of how we move forward. And I think that's what's interesting about this, this, this show today. When we talk about the, the Internet of the mind or the Internet of the self, when you expose people to their behaviors, their unconscious or conscious behaviors, and, they, and you make the other person on the receiving end a real person, the closer mm-hmm. we come in contact with those results, right? So, for example, a hacker that is hacking a system that is possibly ruining the lives of innocent people may not feel that unless they were consciously connected into an Internet of self where they could mm-hmm. feel their, the results of their hacking. That may change the, their behavior. And so mm-hmm. that shift in how we look at how we move forward into the future and how we um, engage in this uh, cyber world that we're creating, that's what's important. There will always be someone who wants to watch the world burn. <laughs> I mean, right. that... You know, I, th- I think I'm quoting from Batman here. Um, <laughs> but, but that idea that there will always be a, a bad apple, there will always be a bad seed, I mean, that's always going to be there. But what we have to do is we have to bring as many people 
uh, closer to the system so that we're not just numbers on a screen, that, that when you hack mm-hmm. someone's life and you ruin their life, that those effects are felt by the person doing the hacking. If we can get to that stage, I think mm-hmm. we can, as we talked about before, we can raise the bar for humanity. Thank you, Gray. Do we need to have something called the Internet of Remorse? I'm sorry. <laughs> Just, <laughs> maybe that's where we need to go. Hey, you bad guys and bad gals, you got to go out there and get a little conscience and humanity there. Uh, you know what? I, but I digress on that. Thank you both for, for great insights. Let's see. We've got five minutes left. So uh, what I'd like to do is turn this into a little bit of a longer-than-usual crystal ball predictions round. I know we've been talking futuristic through most of the whole topic today, but I'm going to Take a note from Gray Scott in your uh, pre-show notes to me, and you say the most exciting part of the Internet of Things has yet to be discovered. We have carved the wheel, but we have yet to even imagine where it can take us. You're such a poet, Gray. I love this stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to give you each, let's take, let's say we've got four minutes left. I'm going to give you each a very generous 90 seconds for your predictions. Let's work off of this subject for our predictions, if that's okay with, with you. Gray, you good with that? And David, you good with that? Yep. Yeah, great. Sounds good. Good. Oh, you're so polite to me. So, Grace got 90 seconds. Let's peer into the, the digital crystal ball of the, you're the futurist. So, the future is happening. Well, I took that breath. It's already gone. That was the future. It's, I just wasted it. I don't know what I did with it. So, the most exciting part of IoT, iOS for Internet of Self, IOM for Internet of Mind, IOR for Internet of Remorse, has yet mm-hmm. to be discovered. Gray, 90 seconds. Tell me what you see. What, what would be exciting for us to know? Well, I can tell you that what I see coming and, and from the research and the emerging technologies that are, that are coming out now, it is obvious that EEG headsets are going to be a part of our future. We will be reading our brain waves. We will be sharing those brain waves with other people. That world will become augmented. It will become uh, simulated. And before we know it, we will have a digital self that exists outside of our bodies. And to me, that's really exciting because that observation, we've never had that depth of, our, of, of observation uh, for the self when we, when we talk about the Internet of Self. We could, in the future, have those digital avatars uh, interacting with each other and observe those interactions and use that information to uh, move forward into the future. We've made a lot of mistakes as a species, and we've, we've made mistakes that could be resolved with bigger data, with predictive data, um, and I'm excited about that potential. I'm excited about seeing where our humanity uh, can write its direction, sort of correct our course. Um, there are a lot of problems that we need to resolve, there are huge uh, climate issues that need to be resolved. And if I could wear a suit or a, a, an EEG headset that could, that could say to me, okay, you, you've, you've, used too much, you, you've produced too much carbon this week, or you're, mm-hmm. you're on the verge of becoming depressed, or you weren't so nice to that person last week at that party, you might want to circle back and, and you know, smooth things over, or... Or congratulations, you, you're a great person. I mean, these are the kinds of things that we're going to see in the future, and it's all going to have to do with the unconscious mind, the digital data that exists, and our observation of it. 
Thank you, Gray. Very eloquent. Let me see what I've got left here. Two minutes. David Yonker, why don't you take a little over a full minute of that for your predictions, and then we will close. Go ahead, David. Well, they, you know, this can go in any direction, um, you know, in terms of the future with the Internet of Things. Here's, I'll put out my hope, my wish. The, so, so much technology, as it's been uh, developed over the years, uh, puts sort of demands on humans, right? We, uh, we buy a car, uh, but we got to bring it in for maintenance, right? And it gets us, we, we travel faster, but we need to maintain the car. We have to stop at a gas station to gas it up. We buy a home, um, but we have to uh, spend time figuring out how to furnish it. We have to mow the lawn. We have lawnmowers to mow the lawn, but we got to fill it with gas and we got to maintain it. All this technology requires time and time and time and time, time for us to maintain these systems. Um, my my dream for the Internet of Things, my hope is that actually a lot of, of the Internet of Things, uh, the innovation there will help us to reduce the time that we have to put into maintaining a lot of these sorts of systems and things. So that, that would take a lot of the, the, the uh, sort of grunt work uh, out of that. The, um, if not, my fear is that... Um, Ten seconds. You know, Ten seconds. Yeah. My fear is that there will be limits to how much we're willing to tune our lives with the Internet of Self. Um, and, uh, you know, just because we'll be in cognitive overload, and that'll require AI. AI. I, Internet of Self is AI. <laughs> I, 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 Capitan. I want to thank Gray Scott, our futurist, and David P. Yonker at SAP. Wonderful conversation. I hope you enjoyed it half as much as I did because this was just terrific. I learned so much. Even our engineer is saying, wow, and that's, that's a good sign. So I have a call to action for all of our listeners, and you know what it is, but I'll say it anyway. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and design an Internet of something that will help humanity, for goodness sake. Just don't sit there. Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. 